welcome to Life in the Fasting Lane podcast. Each week we'll be here to educate you, challenge you, encourage you along your journey with intermittent fasting and low-carb eating. You can check us out on fastinglane.com and on Twitter and Instagram at Fasting Lane. Our guest this week is Nadia, and I'm not going to say her last name. I'm going to get her to do it for me because I will butcher it. She is a naturopathic doctor and health coach with the Intensive Dietary Management Program. Welcome, Nadia, and teach us how to say your name properly. Uh, thank you, Eve. So my name is Nadia Brito Pateguana, just to make it fun. In, uh, Brito Pateguana. That's right. So Brito's mine. Pateguana is my husband's. <laughs> You're very exotic, Nadia. I was looking you up. You were born in exotic places. You lived in exotic places. You speak lots of languages, I think. You're adorable. So what's the scoop, Nadia? Is that true? Are you as exotic as you seem? So I'm exotic to you. I'm probably not exotic to people where I'm from. <laughs> well, I'm from South Louisiana, which is very exotic. Alligators and gumbo, magical things. Well, that, that is true. So I'm from a place called Mozambique which is an African country and right on the border of South Africa. And because of uh, the nature of the country, it was a Portuguese colony. And there's a, just a lot of intricacies to it, right? So I'm mixed Portuguese and African, hence the funny names. Um, I was raised in Canada. I currently live in Portugal. So it's, you know, it's pretty exotic, I think. I just fun. found out that you live in Portugal. Where do you, where do you live in Portugal? I live in Cascais. You know okay. Well, I don't, but I'm going to Lisbon in two weeks for my very, I'm going to Portugal for my very first time. Well, come you, visit. So I'm right I off of Lisbon. To. I live, I live uh, right off, right out outside of Lisbon. Let's go to dinner. Oh, let's. I I'm so to. for it. That would be oh, amazing. Good. Okay. So how long have you lived in Portugal? So we've been here for about a year and a half. Um, we speak Portuguese because Mozambique is a Portuguese speaking country. Um, and we thought it would be a nice in between for our family. So as you know, Eve, our program is now online. So I get to speak with people all day long, but from anywhere in the world. And so at the time we thought, well, let's, we, we had moved back to Canada at the time. Our second child was born in Canada. So we were there for about five years and I was raised there, then went to Mozambique then came back to Canada. And then we thought Portugal's perfect. It's right in between. My husband travels back and forth to Mozambique still for work. And uh, we have a lot of family here. So it's fun. That sounds awesome. I know nothing about Portugal. I've never been. I've been all over Europe, but I've never made it there. And I've had a, heard amazing things about it. And I cannot wait. So cool. I hope we get to have a meal together. I'm all about that. All right. I'm certain of it. <laughs> yes, please. So let's, and you're going to be in Houston too, right? We're both going to be it's at Low Carb Houston. So, okay. That's right. All right. I'm trying to keep up, but man, you're all over the place. Okay. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Nadia. Nadia is with the Intensive Dietary Management Program um, with Dr. Jason Fung, with Megan Ramos. She is partnered with them. And what she does is focuses specifically on nutrition and fasting as a means of medicine. She specializes in women's health, including PCOS, reproductive health, menopause and pregnancy. So I've heard that you are a naturopathic worker and I don't really even know quite honestly what naturopathic medicine is. I know that it's like maybe more holistic or more natural, but can you teach me what that is? Absolutely. So I graduated from the naturopathic college, the Canadian college of naturopathic medicine, I guess now 16 or 17 years ago, I've kind of lost track. And I went into naturopathic medicine at the time because I wanted to, to go into medicine, period. And I thought I was going to go into 
conventional medicine, of course. And then I was very disillusioned at the time with my own, you know, as a 19 or 18 year old girl, I had IBS, pretty bad irritable bowel syndrome. And I was very disappointed in the way I was being handled. And I thought if I become a naturopath, I'm going to cure myself. And that's going to be the way to go. We had a very good naturopathic college in North York, close to Toronto. And it was very good. Um, it was a, a sort of a post-grad type of thing. So I did biology as my undergrad. And it was a post-grad degree. It was very good science uh, background, very good sort of pharmacology, physiology. And then it had the complementary medicine uh, bracket, right? So homeopathy, nutrition, or so I thought, and uh, tra traditional Chinese medicine and a lot of other fun things. So I wanted to learn all about that because I really did think that that was going to be the key to resolving my IBS. It's a four-year degree. So I learned, it was very good. It was really, really good sort of foundation, I think, for my clinical practice. And then I finished school and I decided, because, uh, you know, I think you're getting to know me a little bit. I decided at the end of the four years that I was going to move back to Mozambique. And so I left Canada uh, at the age of, I guess, 24. I don't even know. And I went back to Mozambique because I'd left there when I was one. I left Mozambique wow. when I was one years old. <laughs> and so I thought, this is where I want to practice. But when I went to Mozambique, I couldn't do anything that a naturopath does in North America because I didn't have the resources for it right? What do you mean by resources? Well, I didn't have this, all the supplements and I didn't have mm. all of the whatever it is that not because naturopaths tend to kind of specialize. They're not supposed to, but they tend to kind of focus on specific things, right? So some okay. will do a lot of acupuncture, some will do a lot of homeopathy, but basically in Ontario right now, and it wasn't at the time that I left, but in Ontario, so in Canada where Megan and Jason are in that province, naturopathic medicine is a regulated sort of uh, medical practice. They're, they're sort of primary healthcare physicians. So it's very regulated. They're, they're sort of, they have to act as a general practitioner. They have to do full physicals and all of these things. It was nothing like that when I graduated. So if you did your own thing, it wasn't regulated. You were fi fighting for regulation, but it wasn't yet regulated. But then I was gotcha. gone for 10 years. I was in Mozambique. So I was totally outside of what they were doing. I was doing sure. my own thing in Mozambique. So what did I have left for me to do it was nutrition. I had nothing else that I could do as a naturopath in Mozambique. Initially, I wanted to work with the impoverished communities. I wanted to go into the countryside and, you know, all these things that these young people would want to do, you know, coming from a poor country and being able to give back. But I wasn't able to do that. It wasn't something that was available to me for political reasons. And so I ended up opening up a private practice in the capital of Mozambique, which is a very a nice fun, very fun city. And I ended up seeing uh, the people that were uh, struggling with obesity and diabetes. And I was very ill prepared to do that. And so I had to learn. I figured it out as I went, kind of. And so that's how your, your specialty came along. And I know one of your major specialties is polycystic ovarian syndrome. I had polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, I was told that from, I guess, when I was a teenager, I wasn't overweight when I was a teenager until like my later teenage years when I rapidly gained weight. Um, and this is my understanding of polycystic ovarian syndrome, which I think is a really naive, really limited understanding and pretty typical for a lot of the population. Eve, I'm a doctor. You have PCOS. What is that? 
that means you have cysts on your ovaries. Lots of people have it. We're not completely sure what causes it, but it just it's pretty normal. It causes irregular periods and it's going to cause you issues with fertility, infertility. So I went to a specialist and um, when I was ready to have a kid and to prepare for that a couple of years before I had lap band surgery because um, I had reached 300 pounds and I was very mostly carbohydrate diet, uh, had worked with trainers, had tried to diet, had always failed and gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And I had understood that my place I was going to raise a baby needed to be a healthier place. So I tried to do that. I did that with lap band surgery. I did that with trainers. I did that with trying to eat better pretty horribly. Um, I asked doctors what to do and those are the roads I went down. And then when I had lost some of the weight, I still was pre-diabetic. So they put me on metformin. I did not understand how insulin levels related to PCOS. I didn't really understand what PCOS was. So I used Clomid to, uh, injections, I believe to stimulate, um, you know, having healthy eggs or more eggs. And then I was able to successfully get pregnant, still not at a great weight, still not eating well. Um, I think I got to a point where I didn't need the metformin anymore. So doing a little bit better, but every moment of my life, I was hungry. Every moment of my life, 10 minutes after a complete meal, I was hungry. Um, and I just really thought that I, my body was broken. Obviously it's broken. Um, and I know a lot more now and I understand things a lot more now. Thankfully I have a healthy, almost 13 year old daughter who drives me crazy and I'm thankful for that every day. Uh, but I would like you to explain to me and our listeners very simply, what is PCOS and how does insulin and, and nutrition relate to it? Because I don't think most people understand and I can't say that I can fully explain it now. That's awesome that you share that journey. It's a very similar journey to a lot of women, including myself. So mm. how did you were asking before, how did I sort of stumble upon becoming this uh, person who helps women with PCOS? At some point I discovered that I had PCOS like you, I had a very similar journey to you. I took some fertility drugs, I think you said Clomid. So Clomid is the oral one. And when that doesn't work, which probably didn't work for you, they gave yeah. you, decided to tell you to inject the gonadotropins. But it's sort of the fertility protocol for women with PCOS and other types of infertility. So a lot of us have gone through this. And thankfully, you had your child. I had my two. And uh, that's that. However, women are struggling with this condition, PCOS, and you described it perfectly. You go into the doctor's office, you're kind of told you have this thing, no big deal, walk away. Initially, people are put on the pill to regulate periods, but then eventually they want to get pregnant, so now the pill's not going to work anymore, so now yeah. what? And then you go through the fat fertility journey, which you, you summarized it very briefly, but it's not fun, as you know. And uh, then all these other things come up, right? Like all of a sudden, women with PCOS are more prone to cancer. Why? Then they're more prone to diabetes. Why? Then they're more prone to hypertension. Why? And all these other things, including mood uh, concerns. And, and so I'm going to sort of, um, uh, I always use Dr. Fung's expressions because they're fun. And so he has, a, he has a, a line somewhere in our blogs and in the book that we wrote together where he says, if PCOS was just about uh, some acne and a few missed periods, then I guess it wouldn't be so bad but it really isn't. 
So what is it? Okay, so PCOS stands for polycystic ovary syndrome. It may or may not be the right, the, uh, it, that's what it's called, but it might not be the right description of it, but it, it does involve uh, possibly in some women and many women, poly meaning many cysts on the ovaries, okay? Um, the diagnostic criteria are basically two out of three things. One being the cysts on the ovaries, which we can see on ultrasound. Two being the irregular menstruation, which you had and I had and many people have. And three, clinical or laboratory expressions of high male hormones. Okay, so, so face, mm -hmm. facial hair. That's right. Um, which since I have been the lifestyle, I used to get laser hair removal on Same my chin. Hair. And okay. I felt very not feminine because of it. That's right. Now, That's right. many people, many women in my family have that and they want to say it's because we're Lebanese. So we're hairy, right? right? <laughs> but since I've been low carb and used intermittent fasting for the past two years, I am suddenly way less Lebanese apparently, apparently. because <laughs> it has stopped and I didn't have to pay all the money to get laser hair removal, which freaking hurts by the way. But I want to, yeah. why is it, is it the elevated testosterone? Why, why does that happen? That's right. So it's two things. So it's, it's not just elevated testosterone, but it's more freely available testosterone because there's a lowering of another hormone called um, sex hormone binding globulin, which is made by the liver. So you asked about insulin. So the root cause of PCOS, what is it? Why do doctors say, well, we don't really know what causes it. It is likely multifactorial. There's a lot of reasons, including genetic, because it does run in families but there's a there's a, the insulin is a big factor if not the main factor at the root cause of PCOS and hence why it's called diabetes of the ovaries i mean there's so many terms for PCOS i've like never said, heard that so i've never called. heard that like that. <laughs> that's amazing why haven't i heard that why didn't i never heard it either so here's the thing i was a, a medical practitioner right when i developed PCOS and i had no clue I had no clue. I developed PCOS and then trying to figure out how to treat my own PCOS. And I didn't know. I, I never yeah. made the insulin connection until my second pregnancy. And I, and I say this in our book and I say this in my presentations, but it's not just you. I don't know. And many doctors don't know, unfortunately. Um, it just doesn't. So anyway, two out of three of these three expressions, right? Of polycystic ovaries on ultrasound, high male hormones, and the third being irregular menstruation. All three of these can and probably are caused by high insulin, hyperinsulinemia, which as you correctly stated, most if not all women with PCOS have. And so PCOS is a, is a syndrome and it's on a spectrum, meaning different women will have different expressions of it, but it progresses as the insulin goes up, right? And then there's the lean type of PCOS, which is supposedly what I had, even though I started gaining the weight. As soon as I was off the pill, the weight started coming, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then there's obviously the obese, or, but the, the common thing is the central obesity. Most women with PCOS have central obesity or some, again, depending on where you are on the spectrum, it gets worse sure. uh, over time. Now, here's the big, the big problem with PCOS, as Dr. Fung says. If it was just about a few missed periods, and a little bit of acne and a little bit of hair on your chin. We would all go through all the things that you and I have gone through with a laser and very painful uh, hair removal, but it isn't because then you've got this major concern, which is infertility. And it seems to be getting worse and worse and more and more frequent. And then there's women that have 
infertility and have PCOS symptoms, but then are not diagnosed with PCOS. So then they think, well, there's nothing I can do. And then there's a, all the, the complications during pregnancy. So PCOS women are not infertile. Many do get pregnant, right? You and I did. And so they're not infertile. They can get pregnant, whether through help or naturally. But then there's a much higher risk of serious pregnancy complications, which I had a lot of. Then there's much higher risks of neonatal, so little baby issues, serious NICU issues. And then there's the high associated, uh, high risk of all the associated cardiometabolic conditions. So then we're talking diabetes, hypertension, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it's not, uh, not only is it very common, so now we're saying that it could be anywhere from 10 to 30% of women in their reproductive years worldwide. So not just North America have PCOS. I have a lot of clients in India with PCOS and obviously Mozambique where I'm from. Um, people know the term now. It's, it's like a common term. Like people here are like, oh yeah, I've, I've heard that. I know that. They have no idea what it is or how to treat it, right? Or how to help yeah. it. You talked about you and Dr. Fung's book. Is that book already out? No. It's, when does that book come out and what is it called? It's called the PCOS plan and it comes out, uh, supposedly it was supposed to be March, 2020 for uh, North America, but now I think it's, um, May, 2020 North America and the UK. That's so exciting. So yeah. May, 2020, and it's called the PCOS PCOS plan. That's right. right. So All what's, right. what's, what are, what are we, what are we trying to do? We're basically yeah. trying to bring in the science so I did a review while researching for our book. I did a review for the Journal of Insulin Resistance. So review of all um, the info out there. And the review is called The Contribution of Hyperinsulinemia to the Hyperandrogenemia of PCOS. So that means how much is uh, high insulin really involved in the, in the sort of expression of the high male hormones in PCOS? And, it, and, and basically, as you were saying, Eve, it, it's shown in the literature, bless you, Thank it's you. shown in the literature that uh, high insulin can can cause and, and does cause the polycystic ovaries, right? The, the many cysts on the ovaries can and does cause the irregular periods, can and does cause the um, expression of the high male hormones, right? But PCOS, as we said, is as if it was just like, if this, these three things weren't enough, it isn't just this, there's all these other things, right? Women with PCOS are more prone to diabetes and I got, had diabetes and all, all the other cardiometabolic um, expressions, right? So when I was diagnosed, I was put on metformin, which I think is the most typical way that people treat this. And the only reason I looked into it was because I wanted to have a kid. Um, so upon the advice of doctors who I think were trying to help me the best way they knew how I've had three bariatric surgeries. I've done every diet. I've worked out with every trainer. I've been to every therapist. I've been to binge eating treatment. And through all of this, I never found freedom from hunger until I did low carb and intermittent fasting. Um, I hope that people read your book, whether they want to have a child or not, because this is a women's health issue. It's not a mother's health issue. It's all women. Your choice to have a child or not is your choice. And this is something that we have to look at for our own health. And I'd like this message to be out there because had I understood 15 years ago that 
intermittent fasting was a healthy and viable option to explore, I would not have had three surgeries. I would not have done many of the things that I did to, to damage my body truly with the best intentions and, and trying hard. And I would not have really felt like my body was broken. My body was responding to what I put into it and I didn't understand it. So I, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, I, I, this is my story and I had help to get pregnant with the specialist, right? But I see, because now for two years, I have been in the Obesity Code Facebook group, and I have watched Megan and Jason, and I have been on every fasting group and low-carb group on the internet. And I watch these women, 30s and 40s, be like, I'm pregnant. What? what? I, I thought I couldn't get pregnant. I had PCOS. I'm pregnant. How did this happen? Like, just really shocked and incredibly happy. And it can't... I don't think it can be an anomaly. There's too much of it. it it's just happening all the time. Um, so how does intermittent fasting play a role in the treatment for PCOS, infertility, and, and women's health overall, in your opinion? Yeah, that's a good, uh, it's a great, obviously, this is the, one of the main points to address here. You mentioned a couple of things about yourself specifically, Eve, right? Women with PCOS don't eat more. They're not gluttons, as Dr. Fung says, and they're not lazy. It's not because they eat more and don't exercise enough. It's because they crave more carbs and they likely eat more often. So this is your concern, my concern, and many other women that share our um, sort of our past. And so what does that tell us? It tells us that, that there's this, well, now we know, luckily, that there's this hormone, insulin, right? And the higher the insulin the more likely you're going to crave these foods and eat more often. And then it's sort of a negative, it's a, it's a, it's a snowball effect. It's a cascade, right? The insulin gets bigger and bigger and the problem gets bigger and bigger. So the solution is to lower the insulin. And how do we lower insulin? We lower insulin through two, two dietary methods. We either uh, eat less carbs or less of the foods that are going to produce more insulin and we eat less often. So we combine these. And what do we call this? Low carb intermittent fasting, right? You eat less often and you eat less carbs. The bonus about the low carb, higher fat diet, low carb, appropriate protein, higher fat diet is that you're going to be more satiated. So mm -hmm. you eat and you feel full and you feel satisfied and you don't produce a whole ton of insulin. So you don't get that rebound hypoglycemia and that need to eat constantly and all the time, which was my issue. Yeah. I didn't eat very much. I just ate tons of sugar all day long because I had the shakes an hour or two later and I was so skinny. It was like, well, she needs to eat more sugar. And so it was like this perpetual um, you know, I, I caused this unknowingly, of course. And so the solution, if the, as Dr. Fung would say, if the problem is insulin and the solution is to lower insulin. So tell me when you speak, because I think you cover so many health topics. When you speak, what are the, what are the main topics you speak on? Is it usually focused on PCOS or women's health in general? Myself, Nadia, I speak on PCOS because I think Dr. Fung and Megan do a great job talking about the other metabolic concerns but right. i see i see clients every day with other concerns besides pcos and women's health i see diabetics i see people with obesity and cancer and many other things and we help them through coaching through a low carb intermittent fasting lifestyle but when i speak at conferences i think you mean uh, right in, in interviews this is this is the topic i speak about most often so you're speaking at low carb houston are you, what are you speaking on there 
PCOS. <laughs> okay. I'm excited to meet you in person. I can't, I can't hey. wait to see you. I went to that event last year and I just, I thought it was amazing. And we just had Dr. Ali on uh, last week. So I, I'm excited for that. He's awesome. Um, so Nadia, how can people find you on social media and the internet? And if they want to work with you through IDM, how can they do that? Right. So we have a website, idmprogram.com. Um, and you can slash join, or you can just go through and pick to join our coaching program. I'm a coach. We have quite a few coaches at this point. Um, initially, I started in the clinics with, with uh, Megan and, and Basin Fun. Lucky me in Toronto and no longer there, as you know, and now I'm in Portugal and living the life, <laughs> sitting in front of my computer and not enjoying the life. But I, you know, work full time for IDM, lucky me. And um, through our website, you can get all the information and you can book a call with any of the coaches, including myself. Um, our first call is a 20 minute free consult to get to know each other. And we have an assessment that we go through to figure out whether or not our program would be a good fit for the individual. And then if they choose to go ahead with us, they, they can. Uh, we have this great community. Like you mentioned, we have now through our community, we have focus groups. So we have daily meetups where people can sit for an hour and speak with other people in our community with a coach. One of the coaches moderating all our focus groups on different topics like intermittent fasting, extended fasting, weight loss, diabetes, eventually women's health, um, behavioral changes, and so this is what our program does. This is, we see, obviously, we, we work with people, as I said, with all kinds of expressions of metabolic syndrome, including PCOS. And so you were asking me, and I didn't answer this, so I want to, you were asking, why are these people getting pregnant? Why are these PCOS women that embark on low carb, intermittent fasting, unknowingly, right, getting pregnant? It's because we've, we, we now know that insulin, besides being an endocrine, you know, hormone, a metabolic, uh, with metabolic functions also has these reproductive functions, right? Like I said, it not, not only does um, have that impact in, on the ovaries specifically, it has an impact on all the cells of the body, but it has a specific impact on the ovaries. It can cause higher testosterone, but it also lowers the, this other hormone in the liver, causing this um, irregular reproductive uh, disorder. But then you lower insulin and all of a sudden reproduction is uh, restored and ready to go and making surprise babies everywhere. It's amazing. <laughs> surprise babies everywhere. There's a huge impact on male fertility too and male function. Really? I so didn't know that. So I don't talk on it, but there's another, uh, there's an, uh, there's a physician, very funny. She's a comedian. Actually, she's a physician and a comedian, uh, Dr. Priyanka Wally. She talks about, uh, sexual function as a result of uh, low carb and, and she does it in the funniest of ways. So for I need her number. You need to watch, well, she will be, if I'm not, ugh, I hope, if, I, if I'm mistaken, please delete this. But I think she will be <laughs> at Mocarp Houston. She okay. was at, you know, two of the other conferences that we've been on this year. Okay, I can't, I can't wait to hear about that. That sounds like a riveting topic. I'm all about that. Um, okay, so thank you so much for being on. Where can people find you on social media, on Instagram or Twitter? Like, what's, where are you at? What's your, your name? I am on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, and it's, I think, Nadia Pataguana throughout. You should spell sure. that for us. We're going to put okay. a link too, but spell it for us anyway. Okay. So Nadia, N-A-D-I-A, and last name Pateguana, P-A-T-E-G-U-A-N-A, P-A-T-E-G-U-A-N-A, Pat-E-Guana. I love it. So Nadia, for 
women that are listening and struggling with PCOS, um, you know, perhaps they want to see their doctor, perhaps they want to talk with the IDM program, whatever they want to do, what's one thing they could do today to move them in the right direction? One small step they could take. One small, uh, but leap, right? Big step, full meals, no snacking. Eat okay. until you're satisfied and then walk away. This is called time-restricted feeding. It is the foundation of intermittent fasting. This is, you have to figure out how to create a meal that you're satisfied with. If that meal leaves you craving or snacky in an hour or two, you need to change it. You need to modify that meal. How? Lower the carbs, increase the fat. I love it. Thank you so much for giving us that, that one thing. Like sometimes you just feel so frustrated with your health and it seems so overwhelming. I think that just having one thing to try for a week or two makes me feel more empowered and hopeful. So Nadia, thank you so much for being here on the show. I so appreciate it. Thank you, Eve, for the opportunity. I loved it. Thank you. Guys, thanks so much for being here on the Life in the Fasting Lane podcast. You can get more tips on fasting, keto, low carb at fastinglane.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Fasting Lane. Until next time, to your health and hotness.